Hi, welcome back into Car Radio. You're on 9:10 a.m. the Superstation, and we are joined by Pat Anderson, a good friend of the program. Here, Pat is the uh, I, I think premier economist uh, in the states. Uh, runs Anderson Economic Group up in Lansing, and uh, has been doing some interesting work with electric vehicles lately. Pat, how are you? All right. Good afternoon, Henry. Yeah, great to uh, have you on. I think you're um, you're you're outside the Michigan borders today. Where are you? Out cheering uh, uh, on football players? Uh, I was in South Bend, and I had a chance to go to a tailgate outside the Notre Dame football sta- stadium. So that is exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I'm actually tucked away in a secreted place uh, at the Joyce Arena. So security should be coming to get me in about 13 minutes, Henry. So let's get started. <laughs> well, it's, uh, South Bend's a good place for uh, football. Uh, uh, Pat and I are both uh, early uh, electric vehicle adopters. I have a Tesla Model 3 Performance, and he has a Porsche Taycan. Pat, did you drive the Taycan out there to South Bend? Good, very good question, Henry, and the answer is no, and here's why. I was going up north, you know, it was deer hunting season, and I couldn't get the Taycan up north. I just couldn't do it, so I had to switch cars and 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 go with the uh, V8-powered gas car with 130,000 miles on it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like uh, part of the EV experience is, uh, especially in Michigan, you often need a second car. Otherwise, you can't do what you need to do. Well, then that really uh, really speaks to the study that you uh, guys just came out with at uh, Economic Anderson at the uh, Anderson Economic Group. Uh, and which are looking at uh, the cost of uh, EVs uh, relative to gas cars in terms of operation. I, I, I find, uh, uh, to, to your point, I find electric vehicles like my Tesla are very good uh, when you're using them around metro areas and then you're going home at night and I'm plugging them into $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour power overnight. But then when you take them on the road, uh, for long distances, the whole equation changes, and I think you found that in your study. Uh, that's that's very accurate, uh, Henry. I mean, you said ten cents. Uh, ten cents is significantly beneath what uh, most people in Michigan are paying, about thirty percent less at home. But when you are charging a commercial charger, you are typically paying thirty cents or forty-one cents, or as we pointed out, you can pay sixty-six cents or even a dollar a kilowatt hour. At a commercial charger, uh, and that's part of the reason why our findings show that for most people that use a mix of residential and commercial charging, just the cost of fueling, uh, not the depreciation here, which probably hurts EVs, or the repairs, which is probably favorable to EVs, just the cost of fueling the vehicle is often higher for an EV driver than for an ICE driver. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I drive around. I drive a lot of electric vehicles, not just my own Tesla. I've been driving Audis and VWs, and uh, when I'm driving um, on the road, I go to Electrify America chargers because they're the only um, they're the only uh, infrastructure out there that's really comparable to Tesla. They're superchargers. They can get you 80 miles of charge in 10 minutes, uh, but they're not cheap. And 
if you don't have a subscription, I've been looking at 48 cents a kilowatt hour for an Electrify America charger, which uh, when, when gasoline was $3 a gallon, uh, was more expensive than, than uh, gasoline, which is remarkable. And, Henry, you, you've actually done there some of the math that we want potential buyers to be able to do, which, are, which has been very, very hidden from them. And one of the reasons this report from, from our firm is so important is it is literally the only place you can get a true apples-to-apples comparison for most drivers. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of calculations out there that use the absolute best-case scenario for an EV driver, which is charging at home 100% of the time with residential rates and then ignoring the cost of the charger, ignoring the deadhead miles, ignoring the charging efficiency losses, ignoring the road taxes, and comparing that with the full price adding all those things in with a gas car. And if you do that, as you said, I mean, if you can charge it at relatively low utility rates, residential utility rates, and just drive locally, and gas is reasonably expensive, and you ignore all those other costs, and electric vehicles are cheaper, no, no question about it. Once you start to add the other costs, and particularly when you have to do what most drivers do, which is not always stay close to home, then you're at 40 cents, 50 cents. Uh, and as we point out, you can be 66 cents or a dollar kilowatt hour at some commercial charges. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's very spotty uh, depending on where you go. There's a uniformity to uh, gas infrastructure. Uh, you know, it, it varies a little bit state by state depending on taxation. But uh, uh, you know, just just because uh, when you call up on your screen it says there's an electric charger nearby. It may be a 110 outlet like your home. It may be a 240 outlet like um, uh, like your dryer plug, or it may be a supercharger like an Electrify America plug. Uh, um, uh, like an Electrify America plug. Uh, I mean, the, the, I, I think that's very confusing to customers too. Is what kind of charger they go to if they're on the road? Yeah, and and you, you mentioned Electrify America. Of course, we're talking to a lot of. Uh, uh, car folks in Michigan, but uh, there's one right there in Novi, uh, and uh, I've had that so many times waiting and trying to get it to work. The reliability problem with this is something that we mentioned in our report. Generally, for the first time, I mean, you just don't see this covered in other analyses where we report, and customers do this on, on apps like uh, PlugShare, uh, where they report uh, whether, whether it worked or not, and a significant problem, and Electrify America has had this, uh, is reliability of the chargers. So many times I've pulled into chargers, like EPA chargers, and it won't give you anywhere near the rated amount. Uh, and you have to call, sometimes it won't sing. But for a while, Henry, I actually knew by the first name the customer service people for Electrify America from just from being at the no-buy place. And I hope they got it better, but this is another issue that that's out there. It's not a it's not a quirk. It's not an idiosyncrasy or one time issue because you go on and I encourage other people to go on look on PlugShare and look at the reliability ratings because it is a it's a known fact among drivers that many of these chargers are unreliable and unlike gas stations where people are ninety nine percent or better reliability in terms of getting your credit card to work and getting fuel into your tank. Well, and I think the other advantage. Uh, 
that the fuel infrastructure has, and it's no accident, this has dominated the U.S. landscape for uh, a century, uh, not only because of the extraordinary BTU content you get from a gallon of gasoline, but because you have attendance there. So if something goes wrong with your gas pump, there's an attendant there who can help things out, who can reset the system. You go to the, you go to uh, electric chargers. Uh, there there is no attendant. Uh, you know, oftentimes you're uh, you got to you got to make a phone call if something goes wrong. And I think and I think um, Pat, this goes to Tesla's secret sauce. This is really the secret sauce of this company, is that they figured out early on that taking on the overhead of building an electric supercharger network was key to adoption. And I, and I think that is, that is crucial uh, to, to the fact that Tesla owns 80% of the EV market. Uh, Henry, you're right about the, the a foresight of the Tesla executives. And I'm going to give Elon Musk credit, uh, which I don't do all, all the time, but they realized early on that it's no use having a car if you can't get it charged. Uh, and they needed to invest, and they invested heavily, and it is an advantage that they have. Now, I don't know how much longer they'll be able to keep that advantage, but uh, it's definitely an advantage now. And if you are the owner of uh, if you're owner of a Tesla, you also have to charge commercially, uh, and you, you you also have to find places. And when I go to, to commercial chargers, I see Teslas and, uh, as well, not just the Tesla network. But it's a big advantage they have, and it's one of the reasons that they've done so well. Uh, and I give them credit for that. Uh, but we're, what you're looking at with the Sanderson Economic Group study now is the first real real apples-to-apples, real-world comparison of the costs as they would be faced by ordinary Americans if they go to buy an electric car or an ice car. Uh, here at 2.4, we generally had things that were done for early adopters. They generally conceived of electric car buyers as if they were all affluent metropolitan area consumers that had single-family residences with attached garages and could afford have an electrician come in and put in a charger. And, in fact, that's a big chunk of the current EV market, but that's nowhere near uh, the American auto market, where you know, we're selling 14, 15, 16 million units a year, including the people that don't have their own home, that, don't, that have a home but don't have a garage, that rent homes, or that live in rural areas, none of whom fit into that very narrow category that it fits now is what most discussion about EVs and EV buyers tends to focus on. Yeah, and that's, that's very much a niche uh, uh, market. Uh, pe- people buy a consumer product and they want it to be convenient and to fit their lifestyle. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious what you think um, about what's rolling down the halls of Congress right now. Congress, uh, the Democratic Congress, is determined to drive electric vehicle adoption in this country. Uh, they're offering a $7,500 tax credit uh, to buy an EV, and, uh, and as the, the bill is currently structured, they're offering an additional $4,500 if that is a union-built electric vehicle. So $12,500 to buy an EV. Uh, how, do you, how do you think that incentive will infect, uh, affect consumers? Uh, I, I, you know, I certainly did my best to make use of the 
purchase tax credit on the EV that I bought, and I, I encourage other Americans to do that. They're obviously paying taxes, so if there are tax credits available for them for a vehicle that they want, I think they should use it. But I, I have a serious problem, not as a, as a person studying the auto industry, but why should taxpayers just ask yourself this question? Taxpayers pay people to buy one kind of car over another or a car built in one plane over another. I don't see the basis for that. Uh, I There was an argument that we should encourage early adoption, that we should help build a, an alternative network uh, and to look at alternative fuels such as ethanol. There are, you know, legitimate questions about how much, how long we should do that, but we've had a purchase tax credit since 2010 now. I think that was the original adoption of the $7,500 credit. Uh, and just in the last few years, if we exhausted the limit for, for two uh, of the manufacturers, they're still available for the majority of manufacturers. Uh, we have had we've subsidized the electric vehicle charging network, both through our utility rates and through direct taxpayer support and through the diesel settlement. Uh, the infrastructure bill that was just passed has another $2.5 billion in grants to uh, people to build EV and alternative fuel chargers. Uh, all these decisions were made, and they're all out there now and encouraging EV buyers and EV use. I, I have a question, you know, a serious question as a taxpayer as to why, why we as taxpayers should be paying more for one specific kind of vehicle or one built in only one plant. Uh, and certainly it's going to distort the market, and it raises this real fairness question. Uh, now, say, Henry, you've seen this. I mean, the cars that are being bought now, EV cars typically cost 20000 or $50,000 more than other vehicles. Yeah. Uh, I, I decided in 2018, I decided to order a, uh, this particular car, the Taycan that I have, in 2018. I knew this was going to be an expensive car, but I had all. I, you know, and I... I you know me, I wanted a nice performance car, but uh, it, it was something that I was willing to pay a lot for. I don't have the rationale for people subsidizing, you know, Americans that earn $50,000 a year, subsidizing the cars for Americans that earn one hundred fifty dollars or $250,000 a year, which is a lot of what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah and, and ultimately it's a consumer product, and I think... Uh, uh, people need to buy that product based on its value to their lives. Uh, yeah, subsidies will only take you so far in the consumer market. Well, Pat, I appreciate the uh, the time today. Uh, enjoy your stay over in uh, in Indiana, and uh, folks can find your study online. Correct? Right. Go to the AndersonEconometer.com website and look for our EV charging study. Uh, you can also look at a, a great uh, article written by Jamie LaRue and Detroit Free Press, who has also appeared in USA Today. But I'd encourage you to get the study and read it, uh, and that way you'll see for yourself. Yeah, that's very good. Thanks, Pat. All right. Take care, right. Henry. We're going to take a break here, and on the other side, we're going to be talking residual values of vehicles with J.D. Power. You're on Car Radio, 910 a.m. That's the number of free phones still available and the number of how many Americans can still get prescriptions free. Free could be wonderful. That's why I'm still working at 77 years old to pay off my prescriptions. I needed to have a 
a prescription filled and I had to leave because I couldn't afford it. Call now and see what's available for you. Free prescriptions. Over 10 million people get prescriptions free. And the program has expanded, so another 40 million can. Free dental. Over 15,000 dentists have provided over $330 million in free dental work. Free cell phones. 40 million free cell phones are still available with free minutes and more. Free cell phone would change my life right now because it's something I cannot afford to get. Medical supplies like back braces, knee braces, and diabetic supplies may be covered too. The free RX Plus hotline has saved callers over $12 million on their prescription costs. These free programs are now available to 40 million more people. Call now. The Word Network has been broadcasting inspirational messages around the world since the year 2000. And we keep getting bigger and better and more innovative. Seen all around the world, we bring you the best teaching, impartation, singing, and inspiration. If you want original programming, we have that too. The Word Network is your exclusive source for all things inspiration. And we can be found on every device imaginable. If you want to be uplifted and inspired, you need The Word Network. Have you been denied credit or hit with high interest rates? A low credit score happens to many of us, and millions of people are victims of incorrect items on their credit reports and don't even know it. That's why you need credit repair now. Our proven process has resulted in past clients seeing on average 11 negative items removed from their credit report and a 40-point increase after the first four months in our program. Call now and request your credit report and credit score for free in minutes. Call 1-800-783-9197. 910, the Super Station, the oldest radio station in town since 1922. California, out here, out here in the fog. It's <laughs> finally turning for us over here. <laughs> yeah, I was out in California this week at the Los Angeles Auto Show, and yeah, it's starting to get a little nippy. Um, 
a little uh, a little foggy out there. It's not uh, 50 degrees is, is winter in California, I find. I uh, came back to Detroit to good 30-degree weather, so you guys are still relatively balmy out there. Yeah, there we go. We had those indoor tracks, though, for the EVs and the Ram trucks at the auto show, so a little bit smaller than, than last year, but it was good to be back and seeing the industry getting back on its feet with regards to the auto shows. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, there, there's some fabulous toys on display there in the in the Los Angeles halls. A, a tremendous variety of vehicle, and, and you guys address this in your residual value awards. Uh, I think you go across, what, 28 categories? Talk about your awards a little bit. Yeah, we're up to 29 segments now, so we, we keep expanding as the industry is expanding. We've got more utilities in the premium space. We broke out the, the heavy-duty pickups from the, the regular full-size pickups this year, and, and GMC Sierra took home the prize for that for the HD uh, heavy-duty pickup category. So went out to 29 segments, and uh, we've got 19 different brands that won awards in, in those segment awards plus the two brands awards. So a lot of diversification, which is one of the themes that we've seen uh, increasing over the past few years of residual value awards. We've got a lot, broad distribution of different brands that, that won this year. And and then uh, to the consumer, uh, you get these awards every year. To the consumer who then wants to keep track of the residual, uh, not only of a car that they own, but also a car they might want to buy, uh, uh, what's the best way for them to track that? Well, you can see that on the J.D. Power website uh, and the, the ALG website. We've got uh, our list of the winners up there for this year's award. And I think you hit the nail on the head in your intro there that resale value we see is one of the top considerations year after year of consumers going to shop for a new car because at some point in the future, you're going to have to dispose of that vehicle either through a trade-in or selling a private party. And so whether you're leasing, you know, ALG has been around for 50 years. We've been the benchmark for sort of risk management for, for the leasing industry. But even if you buy cash or finance your vehicle, you're still going to want to consider uh, what that resale value is, which is why we do these awards um, to, to let people know in each segment which, which vehicle is expected to attain the most value uh, after three years of ownership. Well, and, and, and brands really uh, can be made, made or broken on residual value. Uh, uh, Toyota Lexus, I think, is a dominant player in this market uh, for that reason alone. I mean, they came into this market, recognized an opportunity uh, uh, to, to make uh, reliable uh, vehicles, and uh, they've really capitalized on that. Lexus um, is, is, is right on top of your awards this year as best luxury brand, but uh, not Toyota. Uh, I believe Honda uh, uh, took that crown this year. Yeah, Honda won. It's their 10th time winning the brand award. You know, surprisingly, yes, Toyota has this great reputation for uh, resale value. They've only won our brand award once. But there are only there's only one other brand other than Honda and Toyota that's won the award, and that's Subaru, and they've won eight times. So we've got these three uh, Japanese brands, well known for their long-term durability and quality and resale value, continually winning the award year after year. Um, but it, it's not all bad news. I mean, we've really seen the domestic brands and the Korean brands have closed the gap 
with uh, the, those three Japanese brands we mentioned um, and, and are really improving and starting to win segment level awards now. So we've got representation from uh, all of the Detroit three automakers with the Ford Bronco and the off-road utility segment winning for the first year in market. Uh, we've got the Dodge Charger as a perennial winner in the full-size segment because it really combines uh, that, that sort of sports car nature uh, of the Charger with the full-size sedan capability. And we've got the Chevy Tahoe winning in full-size utility, and I mentioned the GMC Sierra Heavy Duty. So um, we've got good, good representation across the board, and just always want to give a shout-out to those local brands while we're here on the radio with you in Michigan. Yeah, and, and you know it's it's an interesting it's interesting to see those uh, cultures play out in consumer products. Uh, as you mentioned, the perennial winners are Japanese uh, uh, companies. Uh, within the media business, we all uh, kind of talk uh, talk about uh, brand reputations, and there's an assumption that. Uh, the more creative brands like, uh, like a, like a Dodge or a Chrysler, they're always kind of pushing new technology. It's tougher for them than to, uh, uh to, to meet reliability standards over time as opposed to a Toyota or a Lexus that, that, uh, tend to stick with technologies, uh, for longer time. Uh, is, is that what you guys find in the, these awards or is it bigger than that? Yeah, it's a little bigger than that. I mean, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Technology has become um, a really interesting part of the industry because there are risks, and we do see that time and time again, with, especially with the, the um, human-machine interface or that user experience in the center stack. Um, if you deploy a lot of technology in there, that can be viewed out as confusing um, or, or something that could potentially break down by consumers. And we see that time and time again in the J.D. Power syndicated research uh, quality surveys. But we also know consumers want technology and that, and that technology can be a big driver of, of not only demand but also uh, what we're talking about here, retain value. So an example of that would be like blind spot monitoring um, or adaptive crews. These are new technologies um, that consumers are really demanding, and we see good retention relative to what automakers are charging for those technologies uh, in the used market. So that can actually be a, a benefit. So you've got to sort of walk that fine line between, um, you know, innovation and being recognized for that innovation, but maybe not getting caught up in, in complexity of that technology when you present it to, to the consumers. So it's a tricky time for automakers in, in, in launching these new products out there for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I was just in a Honda Civic Si, and I was really struck by how standard on Honda's Civics. This is a $22,000 car standard. You get adaptive cruise control and blind spot assist, which has to be really expensive in the production end, but i got to believe that's going to help the residual value of those cars going forward, that people can get those standard features. Uh, Eric, um, uh, a lot of startups in the market uh, these days, uh, most prominently uh, Tesla. Um, they've gotten knock for, uh, for, for uh, reliability issues. How is, is that showing up in residuals, or is Tesla doing pretty, pretty, pretty well there? Well, Tesla is the envy of all other automotive brands when it comes to a passionate uh, consumer base there. Um, I think it's well documented. There's, 
there's a lot of those Tesla fans out there. And that, that momentum um, sort of extends beyond just that sort of niche market of those, those Tesla fans. And we see tremendous demand for Tesla. They, they're taking home uh, the winner in the premium electric segment with the Tesla Model Y. Um, really a battle of other Teslas in that segment as well. So we've got the Model 3 uh, competing up there as well. Um, and doing doing phenomenally well in the marketplace. Um, but but you're right. I mean, they do have some issues around vehicle quality and consistency coming out of their manufacturing facility. Um, obviously, lots of controversy around their deployment of full self driving. But but at the end of the day, they've done something that nobody else is really going to be able to do, and they sort of mass marketed EVs and become synonymous with that effort. And um, all these other startups, whether it's Lucid or Rivian, they're all looking at that Tesla playbook and trying to emulate it. But it's going to be really difficult to uh, replicate what they've been able to do, especially with their enigmatic leader and Elon Musk. You know, he's obviously driving um, a ton of that uh, interest and demand for, for the brand, not only through Tesla, but through his other initiatives as well, like SpaceX. Yeah, I, I, yeah. There's just so much going on in the industry right now with these new startups uh, coming in, uh, new EVs, new technologies. Uh, yeah, it's great to have uh, JD Power there, uh, just just sort of a, a, as a as a ground standard for folks to uh, go to and look for their residual values. Eric Lyman, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you can find Eric's study online. Uh, it's called the J.D. Power 2022 ALG Residual Value Awards. A uh, really good resource uh, to have, and as Eric says, you can look across 29 vehicle categories and see um, how your car is valued. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, we're going to take a break, and on the other side, we'll be talking with Tim Kaniskas of Dodge. So you've decided to go to college. That's cool. So pop quiz, which is a better way to earn your degree? Commute to college and fill your gas tank, get stuck in traffic, drive in bad weather, try to find a parking space, walk a half mile to class, or learn online at Independence University. In the park on a bench, on the beach on a towel, or on your couch with your kid, your campus is wherever you want it to be. You don't go to college. College goes to you. That's Independence. That's Independence University. You schedule classes around your schedule and all your supplies, including a brand new laptop and tablet are included with tuition. At Independence U, you'll learn from professional instructors with real work experience. You'll get personal support in school and employment assistance when you graduate. Get your degree, but keep your life. That's Independence. That's Independence University. So if you're really smart, you call now. Call 1-800-556-7791. Independence U for an independent U. Call 1-800-556-7791. Are you getting the most out of your Medicare plan? Are you sure? Many people with Medicare are eligible for plans that include extra benefits in addition to those found in original Medicare. Benefits like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free with no obligation to enroll. In addition to hospital and medical coverage, at no extra cost, you could also get coverage for prescription drugs, dental, 
hearing, vision, and more. In many areas, plans with benefits are available with $0 copays for many services, $0 monthly premiums, or $0 deductibles. That's hospital, medical, prescription drug, dental coverage, and more included in one plan with premiums that may be as low as $0 a month. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll. Call 1-800-571-8580. That's 1-800-571-8580. So you've decided to go to college. That's cool. So pop quiz, which is a better way to earn your degree? Commute to college and fill your gas tank, get stuck in traffic, drive in bad weather, try to find a parking space, walk a half mile to class, or learn online at Independence University. You don't go to college. College goes to you. That's Independence. That's Independence University. And all your supplies, including a brand new laptop and tablet, are included with tuition. Independence U for an independent you. Call 1-800-556-7791. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM Superstation at the L.A. Auto Show with the uh, legendary Tim Kaniscus of the uh, Dodge brand. is it? Uh, are you CEO of Dodge brand these days? What's proper? I, I am. Uh, legendary, I don't know. But Dodge <laughs> brand, yes. I'm still working on the Dodge brand. <laughs> the one and only. How about that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, um, and, and we're surrounded by, uh, by Dodge brand here. Uh, great display at the show. I mean, it's a, it's a sparsely attended show. Uh, first L.A. show back after the pandemic. Uh, L.A. is always different. Uh, people are still running around here in masks. Uh, they're afraid of the climate apocalypse. But you guys are here uh, in force. Why, why, do you, why are you guys here uh, uh, so strong at the new show? We love to have experiential events. We love to go to auto shows because we tell everybody, look, you come to this show, you're going to see thousands of cars. A lot of these cars are needs cars. I need a new car. We don't do needs cars. Dodge only does wants cars. And wants cars, you gotta come and see them. You gotta get them. You gotta look at them, touch them, feel them, see the colors, see the possibilities. Dream about what you can do with your car in the future. That's what we're all about. So we love it when people can come see it in person. Commuter's great, but get in it, smell the leather, see the colors. That's what makes the difference. Yeah, and there are a lot of a lot of those folks out here in California. This is a big market. It's basically another country. I mean, uh, there's so much wealth and so much diversity out here that they love. Uh, Dodge cars. I mean, what's what, what are the best sellers out here? You know, we actually are number one in this market. Uh, Challenger and Charger do extremely well. We call them the smile states from wow. California all the way down to Florida. You beat, you beat Mustang. Well, I, I don't want to say who we beat, who we don't beat, but <laughs> but we do very well in the smile states of the country. Yeah. Uh, uh, this being uh, California, big emphasis on on EVs these days. Uh, electrification dominates this show. California as a state wants to transform the rest of the country to EVs, uh, just like it brought the digital revolution to this country. Uh, you guys are going down the EV, EV path. Talk about that. Yeah, people are really nervous about it. You know, people come up to me all the time and, and they think, hey, you're, you're the Dodge guy. You're, you're going to be totally opposed to EVs. What, what are you doing? You're selling out? You're, you thought you're going to be the last one to go. And I said, no, performance isn't going away. Power isn't going away. Muscle's not going away. How we accomplish it may change. And I think there's some really innovative, cool things that we can do with electrification. No one has really scratched the surface on it because they haven't really needed to. So when more people get into that space and the stuff becomes more readily available, we can get a little crazy with it. We can have some fun. And we're going to show a concept of our all-electric muscle car. And I call it a muscle car because it's not going to be like a traditional electric car. It's going to be a true muscle car. We're going to show it in about four months. And we're waiting 
because we want to get the patents to clear. Because when we show you that concept, it's not going to be a glam model. It's going to be a full-on performance driver. We're going to show you what it can do, and we're going to show you why we patented a few things on it to really differentiate ourselves and redefine American muscle. Can you make it growl? Wait four months, and we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about what we're going to do. <laughs> Yeah, I love the sound of uh, these Dodges, the Rams, the, uh, everything you stuff a Hellcat uh, engine into. The Jeeps even got uh, Hellcat, uh, well, not Hellcat, well, I was just in a 392 uh, Jeep. Uh, that's got the uh, that's, that's got the big Hemi uh, 6.2 liter in it. 6.4. 6.4. Yeah, 6.4. Yeah. yeah, 400 some in, horsepower in the Grand Wagoneer. Yeah, it's a it's a real fun ride for a big car like that. It's still a fun ride. Yeah. Um, so, but you guys, uh, as you say, you got this business plan, uh, two year business plan leading out to electrification. But in the meantime, you're going to give us. Uh, some teasers, some uh, new stuff here quarter after quarter. Yeah, we kind of made a name for ourselves with the teasers. You know, it drives some people crazy, but it's also fun for the enthusiasts. We have 13 million people that follow this brand, and they eat up what we do. So they like having the constant drip of information coming out to them. Because when we say we're going to electrification in 24 months, it would have been very easy to go quiet. That's not the way Dodge does anything. We don't do anything quiet, anything subtle. So we're going full speed, flat out for the next 24 months. We put out a calendar. It's a business plan unlike any normal business, right? We, we do it in the Dodge way, like a circus. There's 24 doors, and those doors are going to open every you know couple of months or so. We're going to open a door. Sometimes there'll be multiple doors that open, and we're going to tell everybody 24 hours to 48 hours in advance so another door's open, and you got to tune in to see what it is. And it's going to be schizophrenic. I'm going to tell you right now. Some of the doors are going to open up, and you're going to be like, yeah, that's really kind of a nothing burger. But for somebody, it's going to be a big deal. Some of the doors are going to open up, and they're going to be about electrification. We're going to show a future PHEV right about the time that we're going to launch it. So we'll show a PHEV. We're going to show the concept of our full electric car. We'll show our full electric car as we get to the end of our business plan. But we're also going to show ice stuff along the way. So if you're into electrification or if you're into ice, whatever it is, if you're into performance or if you're into cosmetics, you don't know what the next door is going to be, so you got to follow along. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love choice. Choice is a good thing. If you know, you know. Uh, so is, is one of these little teasers behind us, this jailbreak that you guys just... Jail, jailbreak is behind us. And, you know, jailbreak was actually inspired by our fans, by the customers. I have a really highly secure email address that is my name. So a lot of customers know how to reach out to me directly. And I was always getting emails saying, can I get the plum crazy with the red seats and all these combinations that we can't build? And I got to tell you... It seems like a really easy thing, but in a complex environment where you're building cars, you know, at an assembly plant, it's very, very hard to, to basically just say, hey, I want a different color badge. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, so what seems like a really easy thing for a customer was very difficult. So we've been working on this for a little over a year, and we finally figured out how to do it. We, we joked around that we broke the code. And so when we said we broke the cover, like, all right, we, we, we know the name, the name's easy. We're going to call this Jailbreak. And what Jailbreak is, is we're going to let the customers really be their own designer. They can build anything they want. They can build the F8 green car with the red seats and the brass monkey wheels and the yellow brake. They can build it however they want. And in a lot of cases, they're going to build something that we probably shouldn't. But you know what? If that's what they want, we'll do it for them. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, the one we're looking at here is, uh, is green. Uh, has that got a special name, this that, green? That's F8 Green, and that's the heritage name that we had for that exact green color back in the 70s. 
and it's got the uh, wide body fenders on. I mean, they, these they, these have been hugely popular, haven't they? I, I, I see them all over the place. Uh, every every even whether it's a Challenger or a, tra- or a Charger, every every car I see these days seems to have wide body. You know, we never thought that the the silhouette of the Challenger is very iconic. We never thought about changing that until we did the Demon. When we did the Demon, we were forced to go to the wide body because we needed to get the 315 drag radials on the car. And once we did it, we fell in love with the look of it. And so we said, you know what, we need to amortize this over more volume and customers love it. Uh, so it's a really, really popular option for us. Um, uh, this, so this uh, jailbreak will be optioned in both Charger and Challenger? Correct. Correct. Wow. Um, the, the headliner, of course, is horsepower. It's always horsepower. With Dodge, you get a, a 10 horsepower boost over the Red Eye 797. So now you got another car in the 800s, along with the famous Demon. This is 807 horsepower. So you got 807 horsepower. The Demon on pump gas was 808 horsepower. You know, double wink there on why we did that. <laughs> um, but of course, on on race fuel, you can get to the 840 on the Demon. But you know what? The, the Demon's the Demon's still the king. Uh, so we put it at 8.07. And then uh, when you're talking about the customization uh, with this car, you, you, would, you would start then with uh, 84000 is the is the base price, and then you, then you just build on that, or is it trim level? How does it work? Well, we're not charging for any of the stuff that the people do other than an, basically an entry fee for us to break the system. So it's $9.95. Mm-hmm. So you got to really be smart about how you do this because oh. if you change the color of the badge, it's going to cost you nine eighty five. Or you could change every single part in the car for nine eighty five. It's just wow. how deep do you want to go? And, and you know, people are going to spend a lot of time on the build and price to figure out what the exact combination they want is to really maximize the value of that nine eighty five. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The, the other thing that's new to me is uh, right next to us the direct connection. Uh, everybody knows Mopar. Uh, and, and you can outfit your car with Mopar, uh, Mopar aftermarket parts. But this is something new on the racing side. Yeah, Direct Connection is a really big deal for us. We've been working on Direct Connection for quite a long time because it's a very, very important name for us, and we wanted to make sure that when we brought it back, it was right. Direct Connection started in 1974, and it was really, it was kind of the Bible of how-to high performance. You literally got a catalog, and you flipped through the pages, and you said, how fast do you want to go? Do you want to run a 12-second quarter mile? Buy all these parts. Do you want to run 11 seconds? Buy these parts. Do you want to run 10 seconds? Buy these parts. And it was really the Bible of how to make your car faster. We're duplicating that exact same thing. Now, of course, we're going to do it on a website now instead of a catalog, but we're also going to bring back the catalog just because the catalog's cool. Sure, it will be outdated in 30 days. It doesn't matter. It'll be a really cool thing to have in your shop or in your office or on your coffee table. Um, But we're excited about this because we're going to give you these stage kits through dedicated dealers within our network. We have 2,500 dealers across the country, and they're all going to be able to sell you any Dodge that we have. They're going to give you great service before and after the sale. But if you want to get deep into this, if you want to figure out how to take your car into the nines, how to really go for high performance, we're going to have dedicated network of dealers called Power Brokers. These guys are going to be trained and certified to sell and install the direct connection parts. So if you buy the direct connection parts and have them installed at a power broker dealer, you won't violate your emissions, and you also will not violate your powertrain warranty. So you're going to be able to put significant power increases in these cars and still keep your warranty intact. Yeah, and so you can still take it on the road as well as the track? Absolutely. Wow, that's quite a deal. Um, I see a drag chute on this uh, 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 direct connection over here. I, I assume that's not street legal? 
Well, that one happens to be a drag pack. That one happens to be a non-vend uh, NHRA car. Um, and it has a shoot on it because as soon as you cross 150 miles an hour in the quarter, NHRA requires a shoot. The reason that we have it here is we're actually going to get a little more involved in that space. We've always sold a drag pack, but now we're going to take it down to the grassroots level. A drag pack is an awesome car for the customer looking to compete at that level. But there's some people that want to go to the drag strip, really a grassroots type campaign. We're going to sell them NHRA certified seven second body and whites. So you can start out with a body and white. We'll sell you the suspension, we'll sell you the engine, we'll sell you the transmission. You can build all the way up to the drag pack, but you can also deviate. You can buy the body in white, and then you can put, let's say, a 392 in it. You can put a 485 horsepower car in it, and you can have a really awesome drag car for a fraction of what this would ever cost you to do it on your own. It's exciting stuff. Uh, Tim Kaneskis, thanks for joining us here on the LA Show Auto 4, and looking forward to lots of news to come. Keep an eye out, Henry. Every couple weeks, something new is going to be coming. Do you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS? If so, you may qualify for the IRS's Fresh Start Program. The Fresh Start Program is one of the biggest tax breaks the IRS has offered. Call Tax Group Center at 800-685-6150 to see if you qualify for the IRS's Fresh Start Program. Their team of tax experts and attorneys will give you the best tax settlement possible. Call 800-685-6150 now to learn if you qualify for the IRS's Fresh Start Program. Call Tax Group Center at 800-685-6150. 800-685-6150. Are you drowning in debt? Struggling just to make minimum payments? It's not your fault. Serious debt can happen to anyone, but there is hope. Our debt-free program has helped thousands of good people, just like you, eliminate their credit card debt. Call us today, and we will dramatically reduce your credit card debt down to just a fraction of what you owe. The call is free. The consultation is free. Take control of your credit debt. Take control of your life again. Call now to see how our debt-free program can work for you. Call 800-872-5230. If you or a loved one underwent hernia surgery between 2010 and 2016 and then suffered serious complications, call right now. You may be entitled to financial compensation. Complications associated with FISO-Mesh include chronic pain, infection, adhesions, mesh migration, reopening of the hernia, and other serious injuries. Call right now. Call 1-800-799-2091. Again, that's 1-800-799-2091. Attention! In July 2018, Bayer announced that it will be halting its sales of Assure. The Assure birth control may break or migrate after insertion, puncturing the fallopian tube, resulting in corrective surgery to remove the device. Thousands of women have reported debilitating health problems to the FDA. In April 2018, the FDA restricted sales of Assure to protect women and require that patients receive risk information. Please call 800-425-9539. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM Radio out in Los Angeles for the reveal of the all-new Fisker Ocean. We're joined by Henrik Fisker, who is the CEO of Fisker, a company named after him. Uh, Henrik, how are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to be on the show. (laughs) Um, Last time I saw you was in Detroit. Uh, A lot of Detroiters uh, remember VLF, Villarreal, 
Um, Lutz and Fisker, uh, you're doing some interesting things with your old car, uh, stuffing V8s into it. Uh, you were designing a new car, the Force One. Uh, where, 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 what happened with that company? Well, you know, there was sort of a, a just a fun thing, three guys having fun uh, out in the workshop kind of thing. Uh, you know, we, we never were really going to make this into something big. It was just about making some unique cars. and. It was great spending some time with, with Bob, uh, and, and you know, we are just car guys having fun. Yeah, yeah, it looked like you guys were having a lot of fun there. Uh, and, I, and, and he got a delivery on a Destino, which was the first vehicle that was part of that uh, enterprise, and I know he had a lot of fun with it. It's still a, a, a considered one of the most beautiful cars uh, ever penned. I think that was a 2012 when you introduced the original uh, Fisker Karma. Uh, look, look back uh, a decade. Um, uh, how, how did, uh, when, when you approached the, the Fisker then, now you have the Fisker Ocean, which is an all-electric car. How do, you, how do you see the development since that original car? Well, you know, it was the Wild West back then. You know, we, we actually came out with the Fisker Karma in 2011. And if you think back, that was one year before the Tesla Model S came out. We were obviously way too early out uh, with, with this whole segment of electric vehicles and of course ours with electric vehicles with a range extender, uh, complicated technology. We had a startup battery supplier that went bankrupt and like I said, it's the wild west. We took a lot of lessons learned um, as we moved into Fisco now and now of course electrification is the new hype. Everybody's excited about it and we all know it's going to happen. It was not like that back then. Uh, there was a lot of skeptics, uh, people trying to stop us, actually physically almost, from making a car. So it, it was a, an amazing experience being up against uh, all the naysayers, being up against the big guys. Uh, now it's, it's a, a little different. We have a lot of support from Wall Street and from even customers, etc. So the, the, the time's changed. Now, when I ask you about Wall Street, uh before we go there, the uh, Fisker was a sports sedan, uh, a beautiful long, long hood. Um, a lot of pit folks referred, referred to it as a, as a uh, Corvette with four doors, uh, and it was a plug-in. Uh, and you still hear customers say these days, I like the plug-in concept. I like the idea that I can use the electric battery around town, but then the gas on the road. Uh, do you think we've evolved beyond that point, or do you still think that's a possibility? No, no, I think we've evolved beyond that point. I think at that time we did it because the batteries weren't mature enough to get the range we needed. Uh, as I mentioned, we were out a year before the Model S, so uh, we just weren't there with the battery range yet. I think in the meantime, we are now at a point where uh, we can easily get uh, ranges above 300 miles, which is more than enough for most people. In fact, I would say probably a lot of people don't even need 300 miles. So with the Fisker Ocean, our new electric SUV, you know, we have a base model with 250 miles, then we have a mid model with 340 miles, and then a top with over 350 miles, which, by the way, is the longest range in the world in our price class. So I think we're now at a point where EVs uh, can do the range they need, and there's really no point of carrying around a gasoline engine anymore. Uh, I expect next couple, of, next couple of years we'll also have a charging infrastructure that's good enough to satisfy everyone. Yeah, that was always uh, Tesla's secret sauce, wasn't it? They, they came out with their own supercharging uh, network. Seemed like a lot of overhead at the time, but it's worked well for them. But 
you're you're satisfied going with third-party chargers. You think Electrify America will provide all the all the infrastructure you need? You know, uh, it's interesting because it's all about information. I don't think the average consumer have the information. Uh, the truth is that Electrify America next year have a larger charging network than Tesla in the U.S. Uh, we invested into a company in Europe, Aligo, which have an incredible large uh, charging infrastructure in Europe. So now the next step is how do you inform the consumer that we actually have all these charges? So, of course, one of the cool things about the new vehicles that everybody's doing is they're fully connected, which means that all these charging stations will show up on your screen in your car, and you will very quickly see that there is more than enough charging stations for you to drive an electric car. So I think the future is that chargers should be open for everyone. We should all have the same plug. Uh, how would you like to drive into a gas station and it was a specific station only made for GM and you're driving a Ford and you couldn't fill up your car? It doesn't make any sense. So ultimately, you know, chargers have to be for everyone. That's in the best interest of the consumer. Yeah. Uh, another huge evolution uh, since... Uh you came into this uh, space as a pioneer 10 years ago, is the SUV. Uh, SUVs uh, 10 years ago were 40% of the market, now they're 70% of the market. Uh, you're, you're bringing the SUV style to the Fisker Ocean. How does that uh, benefit you? Yeah, so we decided on purposely that we want to be in the segment that's the fastest growing segment in the world, and that's SUVs. You know, you realize that people's heart is, of course, a sports car. But the brain is we need an SUV because that is just the most easy vehicle to drive around is. It's got all the utility you need. So my thought was, why can't we combine the sports car and the SUV? And that's kind of what we try to do with the Fisker Ocean. It has a really, I think, sexy design, a lot of sculpture. Uh, it's, it looks fast. It is fast. But it's got the utility of an SUV. And I think that really benefits us. We have over 19,000 reservations of the car on the still a year away from wow. starting delivery. Uh, we haven't done any marketing really. So I think that the attraction of SUV and specifically our design of the Fisker Ocean uh, is really helping us. There's, uh, with, with all Fisker cars, uh, there's always an expectation of uh, something sexy. The, the Karma is a very sexy car. Uh, there's some magic to this car. You're doing some different things, different features on this car. Talk about those. Yeah, so, you know, our, our proportions of the Fisker Ocean is really unique. Uh, it's got uh, extra large wheels on the vehicle. So even though they're 22-inch uh, on the top, we still have very large tires, so they can be used for daily use. Uh, it's got a really wide track, which is great for handling, but also looks really good and allows me to sculpture the body more like a sports car than a slap-sided SUV. And then it's got a pretty low profile, but a lot of interior space. We've got, I think, more leg room than any other car uh, in our size of vehicle. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of elements you're using when you design a vehicle. And, and one of the things I like and I force myself to do is to take design themes out of the design, make it as simple, as clean, as sculptural as possible. Uh, and I, I think that ultimately is what creates a timeless design. Yeah, and then you got you got some uh, neat signatures. You got uh, a revolve screen, a doggy window, a solar roof. Uh, talk about some of that. Yeah, so you know, um, we I always thought you know dogs love to sit with the the head out of the window, and uh, of course they have to sit in the back seat, and that gets ruined. So what we did was in the trunk, you actually can roll down the little side windows and the rear window on on the on the hatch. 
and the dog can stick you know, their nose out there and get some fresh air, so we call the doggy windows, the little side windows. It's part of the bigger uh, element, what we call California mode, where you can roll down pretty much every window in the car except for the front window. Just the push of a button, right? Just the push of a button, and it makes you feel like a convertible, but it also has a lot of utility. You can put long things in through the rear window, etc. Uh, and then, of course, the rotating screen, the idea really came up when I was looking at my uh, iPhone, where you always have it in sort of portrait mode when you're typing something, but then when you watch a video, you turn it around uh, to landscape. So we actually filed a patent on that in our vehicle, and just by the push of a button, to turn, the screen just turns around and becomes landscape when you, when you sit charging and watch a movie or play a game. A huge screen. So uh, when you're driving, it's in landscape mode, and then when you're stationary portrait, it's opposite. When you're oh, yeah. driving, it's in portrait, and when you're when you're stationary, it's landscape. If you want to, you can choose. It's a 17.1 inch screen, so I think it's one of the largest. We developed it together with Foxconn. It's got an amazing uh, high resolution. I think the highest resolution screen in the world. So it's uh, it's it's really really cool. Super thin, very very modern, uh, very high tech. Yeah, people won't be, be able to miss this car on the road. Very distinctive-looking car. Uh, your, your competitors in this space, uh, Mustang Mach-E, uh, Tesla Model Y, are, are rear-wheel drive vehicles. Um, you're, you're a front-wheel drive with an all-wheel drive option. Uh, uh, talk about that process. So we chose front-wheel drive for two reasons. One was efficiency with regenerative braking and efficiency uh, around the powertrain. And the other reason was uh, snow. Front-wheel drive is better in snow than rear-wheel drive, and specifically when you think about you anyway have the battery incentive. All right. Thanks for joining us today. We will be off next week for Thanksgiving. Until next time, this is Henry Payne for Car Radio. Keep the shiny side up.